If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and welcome to Season 2 of the Audiobook Club with John York. The Audiobook Club, partnered with Pro Audio Voices, celebrates audiobooks, the amazing people and teams who make them happen, as well as the various talents behind storytelling. To learn more about Amplify and other opportunities to grow your sales, platform and audience, head over to ProAudioVoices.com and listen out for a short but informational advertisement within this episode. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by actor and audiobook narrator Mia Hutchinson-Shaw. Mia, it's such a joy to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah. So it's, at the time of recording, we've had APAC and the Audis just this past week. People are still kind of getting over it, still taking it all in. How did you find those events? Like, I believe you mentioned it was your first APAC event. How did you find it all? It was crazy. It was totally crazy. I mean, I totally loved, loved it, but my body mm. was totally overwhelmed by it. It yeah. was so incredible to meet folks like you in person again, <laughs> give people hugs, like, meet folks that I've worked with but never met in person because I, I came to this during the pandemic. Yeah. So it was totally like my body was filled with so much love and excitement to be a part of this community. And mm. I and I was talking to my family about it, about what it was like. And I was like, I felt so proud to belong to this excellent community. And it was so overwhelmingly joyful to feel that feeling of belonging. But then the physical part of like, I've yeah. interacted with so many people. I've, you know, been at a 10 on my excitement level <laughs> for three, four days. And it was just, but it was fantastic. But I, I learned so much about myself in those situations, mm. which was really interesting. I, I, I really took a lot of takeaways and I feel like I have like a little list of like things I can work on, you know, things I'm good at. Yeah. Those big networking moments. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that because that is a follow up question that I was going to ask. But firstly, did you, I just wondered, because I know everyone kind of had a different idea around it and I just was interested to know yours. Um, so, so folks, and I suppose maybe everyone comes under this, but we kind of like had a, not necessarily like a game plan, but an idea of how we would sort of approach these events. And I just kind of wondered if, if you sort of fell into that. And then also like, how did you find it? Because I kind of went in with a little bit of, okay, well, I want to, I want to speak to this person. I want to sort of say this. And then as soon as the event came, it just sort of all fell away. And I just found myself just chatting, which was amazing. Don't get me wrong. Um, I was the opposite. I went in nice. and I said... I want to just be as open as I can. I want to learn as much about this community as I can, you know, from yeah. the people who built who built this industry. I feel that I, I want to learn so much more about the values of the community, you know, how people deal with celebration, deal with conflict. You know, there's so much to learn from the people who built this community, who are who are 
you know, running these rooms of opportunity, who are in these mm. rooms of opportunity. So I wanted, I went in and my game plan was, I want to be as open as possible. I want to listen as much as I can. And I want to try and put myself in the ways of conversations that maybe I haven't been having with my peer groups and my mm. coaches for the last two years. So for me, that was like, I want to go to a lot of the more business track panels. And it was funny. So once I got there, I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, there is so much packed into these couple of days. And I felt a little bit of like, oh my gosh, maybe I should have made a list. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I really had to negotiate with myself. I was like, okay, am I going to stick to my plan? of just being open, see what's happening, going to going to these panels, or am I gonna halfway through the day kind of throw out my plan? And I, I really tried to stick to my plan, but it was interesting. I definitely came home and I said to myself, did I, you know, I totally had that scarcity mindset conversation with myself. Did I, did I miss an opportunity? Cause I yeah. don't have a little list. Um, and I don't know, I'm still having that conversation with myself. Um, but it was interesting because I feel that APAC, I didn't, I, I had a plan to be open. And mm. then when I went to the Audis, I was like, well, if I see these three people, I want to make sure that they know a project that came my way because of them, how appreciative I was of that project because it was mm. so personal or artistically fulfilling. And I think going into the Audis, I, f I think I had found the balance, right? Mm. I had the three people that if I saw them, I wanted them to know how much that opportunity meant to me. But I was so open because I feel like once I hit the Audis, I was like, oh, the pressure's, the pressure's off. Like, yeah. this is fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really, I, I really learned a lot about myself. And my partner had to remind me, he was like, You've never done anything like this before. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Because you know, everybody's got their own way of organizing themselves in these situations, right? And it's easy to yeah. look over and go, oh my gosh, they seem like they're talking to everybody. Or, oh, they have a plan and they've talked yeah. to everybody on their list. And I think for me, it was just really exciting to feel a part of the community and i think that's probably the biggest thing that i needed to walk away from was saying okay i've done this work yeah. you know and almost a little bit of like having a conversation with my imposter syndrome and saying okay i've done this work i'm really proud of this work i know i'm still growing i still have mm. goals but for me i needed to take a moment to celebrate that i was here and that like yeah. i belonged you know yeah oh, absolutely yeah, it was. I think so. For me, it was a very um, emotional experience, and I don't mean that in a in a bad way. Mm. It was just it was like a real milestone, I think, for me. Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't resonate with that more. Um, that is exactly how I felt. I found I felt myself very sort of high strung at APAC and the social before on the Sunday, 
and it was um, we went out for drinks just a few of narrators on the on on the uh, after APAC you know on the, on the Monday and then I found myself which was I found myself a lot more looser and able to you know have a conversations that sort of felt natural and such um, with people like yourself excluded from that because I, I, I felt very natural and very um, at home with that and then I found like even the Audis maybe because it was such like a big event and I'd never done anything like I've never been to a, that before but then I found myself at the Nordies afterwards and that was where I did most of my networking because I felt just sort of chill I felt open yeah you know I love that I think it's so funny because what we do as actors we're so vulnerable and we <laughs> We like strength, we strengthen that muscle, right? We try to like feed that part of ourselves, but then we forget almost to let ourselves be open and vulnerable in the moments that like yeah. we can make connection. Yeah. <laughs> I always am like, dude, what, what's going on in my brain? <laughs> like, I mean, work with me here. <laughs> absolutely having um so having been and, and done these events are there any kind of thoughts or maybe some advice that you would share to those looking to go in the future who perhaps missed out on this year yeah I, yeah absolutely and i i was thinking about this because i was reflecting about the networking panel um that i caught at apac and ruthie said something that i thought was so smart and it was get to know your strengths and weaknesses as I, I kind of hate using this word, but like get to know your strengths and weaknesses as a networker. So mm. we can translate that into like, get to know your strengths and weaknesses as a human in, mm. in relationship with other humans. And I think that was so smart because I feel that I walked away from that. I went, okay, I really know my strengths or just connecting in a, in a natural way and chatting. And mm -hmm. my weaknesses are maybe being a little bit brave and watching for an opportunity out of the corner of my eye to say hi to that one person. Not be weird about it, but, you know, if yeah. the moment arises and it's appropriate, be brave. And so I think getting to know the things that you need to work on, and maybe it's you... I'm just making up an example and you know maybe you talk a lot and you're not always good at asking the other person questions and so you realize you walk away from an interaction and you don't know anything about them because hmm. you just talked the whole time so like learning about yourself where you take up a lot of space where you don't take up a lot of space where it's really easy hmm. for you to be brave where you could be brave more and then the other thing that I was really thinking about is how much of an asset my peers and colleagues were. It was so generous to be chatting with someone and all of a sudden to be pulled on the, your, your sleeve and go, hey, hey, I really want you to meet so-and-so from da-da-da. And it's a buddy of yours introducing you to someone you really respect who works at da-da-da or introducing you to another narrator you really respect. And yeah. also, being able to be brave and give that right back. Someone grabs you and you start chatting and then you see your friend out of the corner of your eye and you're like, oh man, they've got to meet this person. Just grabbing them by their shirt and saying, hey, come here, I want you to meet. And so for me, those were the moments that were so amazing because it wasn't icky, right? Yeah. Nobody was 
elbowing into a conversation. It was, you know, oh, I really want you to meet this person. Or yeah. have you met this person? They're just over there. They're wearing that shirt. You've got to meet them. Like, yeah. I think for me, those were the takeaways of like, so whether it's, you know, game plan with a buddy, like my friend Alex Raby and I were like, okay, we're going to game plan. How do you want me to introduce you to someone? And we would practice the three things that we would say like, oh, have you met Alex Raby? She's such a badass. Like she's working on this and this and this. Yeah. Or these are her, you know, working with a, a friend or it doesn't even have to be a close friend. It can just be, you know, your your buddy, your, your wing person. Yeah. I th so I think for me, those were the things of like going in, know your goals, right? And even if mm. they're, I don't have goals, that's still a goal, right? Like be yeah. honest with yourself about what you want. I think for me, that was the biggest thing was like, I don't know if I was honest with myself about what I wanted. Mm. And so like really being honest with yourself, being in community, you know, be a good wing person and like get to know your strengths and strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I feel like those are my big takeaways. Yeah. Well, that's that's a great point. And I think just speaking of, I, I think if you, you know, for, the, for those who are listening, if, if you are putting us in a situation where you can introduce someone um, to another person, I think that's perfect because I think it makes both people, it's a good thing to do for both people, especially because I had um, interactions where I was kind of, I just finished a very nice conversation and I was kind of mulling around for a few minutes, you know, sort of with the drink, just sort of seeing who's about. And then I had a tap on my shoulder and I was brought into another conversation and it made me feel so much better about, you know, the, the whole event. And yeah, and I, I really, really appreciated being brought in when I was a little lost for, for a little moment, um, which was nice. I think it's such, and I think you said it so perfectly, it's like, it's such a gift to make other people feel good. Yeah. Right? you're going to feel good. You're going to be of service. You're going to make your buddies and your colleagues feel good. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the secrets to life is like how you feel and how you make other people feel. Yeah. That's where the change happens. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's just the things that come from that. Like I was introduced uh, through Kira Fix, who I knew and we'd done a book together. So we were chatting and then she introduced me to, um, uh, you know, a person that she was talking to. And then we ended up getting along really well. We ended up like, you know, sort of developing a friendship over the few days that we were there. And like, I, I went out with their, their group for drinks and stuff. And that would have never happened if it wasn't, a, oh, if you met John and like, you know, that kind of thing. So it was, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I just wondered, like, I know bit of a strange thing to ask considering that we've met at two um, networking events technically I know the first one was a little bit more social with Andre Santana and you know um, that thing but I just kind of wondered is networking like specific events socials meetups something as an actor that you strive to go to many or is it just the old few like what is your sort of view on those events it's interesting I'm still making my peace with it right mm. we're still like you know Networking and I are still dating. We're still dating. <laughs> I think, look, it's funny because it's like the, the two opportunities we've met, when we met with Andre, it was like, of course I'm going to go join Andre for dinner with some other wonderful narrators. What yeah. an amazing way to spend the evening, right? Yeah. And I think it for me, it was very similar of like, the choice to go to the Audis, right? To like make mm -hmm. that commitment to go. I was like, of course, I'm gonna go and celebrate this industry and get dressed up, you know, yeah. 
good luck keeping me away from an opportunity to get dressed up. <laughs> so, you know, for me, those are like the hell yeses. Like if something's a hell yes and it's a networking opportunity, then like, great, it's a networking opportunity. But it's like a chance to go and be among friends and colleagues and especially yeah. coming out of these years of the pandemic. And obviously we're still very much negotiating what happens when we get together, why we mm. still have the threat of COVID. But mm. for me, it's like, I'm an introvert, but I'm also like dying to be around people, yeah. you know, and people are the, like the inspiration for what we do, right? We, yeah. we, we study people and we, we learn what makes people tick. And so to like go and be around people, good people, kind people, right? It's like a no brainer, yeah. but then kind of maybe those more like cut and dry, you know, APAC, you, you gotta go. It's like, yeah. you know, you have to, so much of what we were just talking about, like you have to figure out what's gonna make you tick in those situations. Mm. Um, you know, what, why are you gonna go? Okay, mm. why am I going? I'm going to learn about this community. I'm, I'm going to learn about things, ideas that I don't know about. I'm going to speak to this one person I really respect. These three people I really respect. I mean, I'm st I'm still learning. I'm a very insecure person. I don't want to say shy. I used to say that I was shy. I don't think I'm shy. I think I'm insecure. I get very nervous around people I don't know. Mm. I have social anxiety right i'm yeah. worried i'm gonna put my foot in it or you know <laughs> say something silly or be too goofy you know it's like i'm still learning about that part of myself and trying to befriend it and let it yeah. know that it doesn't need to be so insecure in these moments and so yeah i don't know it's like it's for me it's like very much like dating it's like i'm still figuring out what it's like yeah. to be in this situation what are my boundaries? What feels good? Right. I think, yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to talk around is like, I'm always trying to find the thing that, that feels good and kind yeah. and being of service, but also not selling myself short. Right. Mm -mm. I want to get to know people so that I can do meaningful work and have meaningful relationships. So sometimes it's like, again, going back to dating, it's like, it's horrible to be on the dating apps, right? Like that's, it's not a great experience for a lot of people, but if you want to get to the kind of relationship that you want to be in, you got to yeah. put yourself out there. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing about my own analogy, but. <laughs> I think it's a perfect analogy. And I think what you were saying before about how you have to have a conversation with yourself and get, you know, and, and also the the first thing is if it's okay to not feel comfortable about going to these events. And like, I know there's that kind of rhetoric of, oh, you must go to APAC. It's so important and things, but I think you can have a customized experience. You can totally talk to yourself. Okay. That's that section of it. That's not for me. That's a little bit overwhelming right now. So I'm just going to go and, and do, do my thing. And I'm going to be fine with that. Um, I, th I think that's really important. I, I yeah. could not agree more. I think you summarized it perfectly. <laughs> um, I'd love to know more about your background, how you came into the world of acting and, and then, of course, audiobook narration. Could you give us a little bit of a, a rundown on, on, on your background and, and how you got started in this, this mad world? Yeah, I, I can. So I 
I laugh, but I, I too was one of those kids who was like, I want to be an actor. I got to be about 16, 17. And I was like, I just want to be an actor. This like mm. makes this world makes sense to me. I love words, literature, people, collaboration. I want to be an actor. So I expressed that and to my family and I have a extremely supportive family. And I eventually found my way to um, Interlock and Arts Academy, which is a boarding school in Northern Michigan. And I went there for my last two years of high school. And I had the opportunity and great privilege to have an academic high school schedule in the morning mm -hmm. and an artistic academic schedule from 3 p.m. on. So you would do nice. like math in the morning, science, <laughs> much to my chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> history, English, like all the normal high school stuff until 3 p.m. And then at 3 p.m. the schedule would switch over and you would yeah. do your artistic learning. So wow. voice and speech, singing, um, rehearsal for the production. Um, and it was an absolutely life-changing experience for me. I was a kid who really struggled to fit in mm. and struggled struggled to i had friends in all the different groups but i never really quite fit into any of the groups so it was like yeah. always had somewhere to sit at the lunch table but maybe when it was time to make plans for the weekend you didn't have anywhere to go you know yeah so for me at interlocking belonging learning to learning that i really belonged in this community gave me so much confidence um, which was, I think, something really hard for me to find as like a 17, 18 year old. Mm. And um, it was a really wonderful experience. And also for me being in collaboration with all of the other artistic like disciplines at Interlochen. My best friend to this day was my roommate at Interlochen. She was a classical harpist. She's still a classical harpist. Nice. To learn about all these different artistic disciplines really lit me on fire and I came from a very artistic household my parents are both artists and professors and so to be even more immersed in the arts it just it just like felt so good and mm. felt so right and so I then found my way to um, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland in Glasgow Scotland where I did um, a BA or a for the Americans the BFA in acting and again that was a really transformative experience to be 18 years old living on my own in Glasgow, yeah. which is yeah. such a fantastic city to live in. And, you know, being on the younger side of my classmates at drama school was really amazing mm. as well, because I had incredible tutors there, mm. but my classmates were also my tutors in that way. Cause I was learning from them about craft and art but also like how to be a grown-up. Grown yeah. <laughs> um, and I have immense respect for every one of my my classmates that I went through that that drama school experience with. And they're all my heroes. And they know that. <laughs> um, yeah. And and so I, I lived in, in Glasgow for, for three years and just fell in love with classical acting and and mm. 
had my first experience with a microphone, you know, <laughs> voice acting, which was at the time I thought nothing of it, mm. which is really wild to think back to it now and go, oh my God, I had no idea. Um, and then I found myself um, back in, in in New York after my graduation and I um, really thought that my experience was I was going to be a gigging, jobbing theater actor in New York. And I did that and I, I, I have done gigs all over the U.S. in, in theater and, and worked on a lot of theater development and then... Mm. I really started to feel a disconnect between the kind of roles I was getting, the kind of roles I was auditioning for, and I just felt like a huge dissonance. And I was like, mm. okay, I see my, I feel <laughs> my experience in life differently than the, the roles that are coming my way. And I think a lot mm. of that had to do with, at the time, um, I look very young. <laughs> I sound very young. And it was hard for me to, to find the congruency between going and auditioning for these ingenues who were pretty and cute and mm. docile <laughs> and finding that part within myself over and over and over again. It's like, you know, it's like if you use the same muscle over and over and over again, the other muscles atrophy. And I couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't make peace with that being the only thing in my future. So I was really deeply questioning what my relationship to making art was and how could I expand it? And I, flirted with so many ideas leaving acting altogether you mm. know going back to school you know becoming a psychologist also oh, cool. like, yeah. you know all of the things i was asking all the big questions i was getting no answers but just kept mm. trying to ask the questions and then 2020 happened and the world shut down and the industry of theater and well new york shut down and yeah. I didn't miss it at all. And I felt wow, yeah. really guilty. I felt really guilty. But I think for me, I'm so grateful for that time because it finally gave me the opportunity to get off the horse. Because while I was mm. asking all these questions, I didn't stop auditioning. I wouldn't, I was too scared to say, I think I just need a month. I just mm. need two months. And so finally to have that opportunity to just like get off the horse <laughs> and go walk around the block, <laughs> take some deep breaths. And, and I'm so grateful for that time. And I know that that time for so many people was extremely painful and I, I don't take that lightly, mm. but for me, I, I just needed that time to like get quiet and let everything mm. else melt away. And during that time, it's so funny because people ask me like, how did you start narration? And it was like, for me, it really was just like this tiny voice in the back of my head. Like, hmm. you know, you like audiobooks, that's acting. And I didn't really listen to it for a year. And I, you know, I, I have wonderful friendships with people who are prolific narrators, Jessna Hickian, yeah. who you interviewed so beautifully. <laughs> my first, was my first, you know, 
seed planted. And hmm. early 2020, before the world shut down, I had gone to their studio and seen their new studio and was in total awe, but didn't, you know, didn't think it had anything to do with me. I was just like, this is so amazing. Like, Jess is prolific and so impressive. And, but I wasn't thinking about like, oh, I want to do this until like really like early 2021. And then I was like, hmm. I've got time. I, you know, this, I'm going to, I'm going to flirt with this. And so I just got as scrappy as I could. And I just, you know, deep dived the internet, <laughs> like yeah. scary deep dives where like, you know, it probably looks like the detectives, like in like the room with like the string, <laughs> one place to another. <laughs> that was like what my brain looked like. like how do I become a narrator? You know, yeah person and then they say go talk to this person then I can talk to this person um and and so that that led me to the amazing coaches that I I still work with now has you know I had incredible generosity from other individuals in the industry and mm. my friends massive shout out to Jess you're my hero <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and that's how and that's how I yeah. ended up here and slowly since those first quiet moments of hey I think you should try this yeah and building this career and it's been really fun because it's totally brought me back to my joy for capital a acting and yeah. so now I have a completely different relationship with auditioning for film a completely different relationship for auditioning for theater like I was really able to find my joy in those spaces again yeah. and be able to stand in my artistry in a completely different way. Um, and I'm super grateful for that healing because I really was yeah. really scared I was going to lose that part of myself because I just couldn't, yeah. the disconnect between how I, how I, where I knew my art was in myself and how mm. the industry was seeing me. And now I feel that I can stand in my artistry mm. and let go of how people see me and just offer what I have to offer. And so yeah. it's, you know, it's like a little bit of like a coming of age. Like yeah, I came into myself as an artist through yeah. this journey. Um, yeah. I'm, it's been amazing. I'm, I'm really thrilled that I didn't quit. Yeah. That's so magnificently inspiring to be fair. If, if I could use that word, I think just that idea of things coming together, you know, in the back of your head, you know, you weren't necessarily or always aware of it leading you to try this avenue. And then that for pursuing this, reigniting your passion for the whole the whole of performance. Um, I was going to ask, so you mentioned, you know, in theatre and film, um, perhaps only being offered like a certain type of role. And as fun as that is, after a while, you kind of want to do something a little bit different. And, you know, and so like with audiobooks, of course, you know, you you can be anything. You can perform as any, you can be a wizard, you can be a, whatever, you know, the list goes on. Is that freeing for you then as a performer? It is. It, it's been totally life-changing for me um, to be able to feel into mm. all of those parts of myself and to use all of those muscles, right? After yeah. only using a couple of muscles for so many years and trying to really make those muscles like so good and so shiny and so perfect, right? Like give me the job because yeah. I'm the best at these two muscles. And yeah. so for me to like really feel into all of those muscles 
it feels so good and like as a as a you know as I'm gonna laugh at myself but like as a person who has like a voracious appetite for storytelling like I do it's so exciting because you're like this is what you you live for you right you Mm -hmm. you want to be able to play Hamlet and you also want to be able to play Ophelia and to have those two things in conversation with each other is so exciting and you know it's such a specific thing as well but it's forced me to be so much more playful, which is, yeah. I think, a thing that I had such a hard time connecting to in my early and mid-20s in my work. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. So when um, when in the, in the early days of narrating audiobooks, on those first few projects, was there an aspect that you found more challenging than, you know, so maybe something that you didn't necessarily kind of, um, you know, reckon it would be challenging? Is there anything that sort of springs to mind when I, when I ask that? Absolutely. I thought for me, like, oh, I'm an actor, actor, I'm a theater actor, like, creating character is going to be no problem. And it was actually that has been the thing that is the most challenging for me, because Mm. I'm such a stickler for character, that I want to make sure that these people are characters, people, Mm. not voices. Yeah. So for me, that has been really challenging, because sometimes... There are a lot of people in these books. <laughs> like, uh, sometimes you're like, that is a lot of people. Where will they come from? Um, and, you know, sometimes they're just there for a couple of lines and they can be fun and fresh and yeah. a little bit body. But, you know, your leading man, your main character deserves as much dignity and yeah. gravitas and groundedness as they would get from an individual person on stage. Yeah. So that for me has actually been really hard. And I, and I thought that finding, you know, mm. the narrative voice would be way harder, trying to find those levels of presence, omnipresence. Mm. But for me, that's been so fun because it's almost just like, okay, mm. Who am I in this story? Who is this character? What is the version of me of this character in this story? Yeah. So it's been funny. It's been really swapped for me. And building character is something I think about all the time. And I'm, it's something I really want to work on with my coaches at the moment. It's like the top of my list is like, how can I, you know, and specifically men, because there's the, you know, there's Mm -hmm. the challenge of, creating an authentic experience for the listener but also creating a safe working environment for my voice and my body absolutely yeah yeah those are the it's Mm. been really surprising but really fun right because you think oh i'm so good at this (laughs) get your your ass handed to you a little bit (laughs) but that's like the cool thing right like for me my experience of being an artist is like I'm not that interested in doing the thing that I'm good at over and over and over again. Like, obviously I want to be skilled. Mm -hmm. I want to offer authentic and thoughtful character creation, performance, narration, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I'm here for a long time. You know, I'm here for a good time and a long time. So how do you create an arc of growth for yourself 
Mm. Um, and for me, that's the fun, right? Yeah. Like, how do I love this thing today? And how do I love the version of this thing in 10 years? Yeah. I think you have to. I think you're, that's such an interesting point and something that we haven't actually spoken about on the show before. Because I think you're absolutely right. Because the actual practicality of narrating audiobooks, if you were reading the same manuscript every single week, you know, every single day, that'd get old super quick. So it's the content, it's the characters that changes the whole environment and makes it so interesting. Just to, um, if I could probe a little bit further on what you were saying about creating characters, um, like so what in that process of you know so the main character the main few characters that you really want to dig deep i'd love to know your kind of process of like how do you is there research involved do you you know what could you just chat a little bit about getting getting that getting inside that character's head before narrating totally and i think for me it's you know disclaimer it's different for every book mm -hmm. depending on what the challenges of the book are and right sometimes there's the logistics of like there are a lot of accents in this book. Mm -hmm. Those have to sometimes come first a little bit. You know, you can't, you know, you don't yeah, yeah. out in the reviews that they're terrible. So, right? so it's like you, the, the logistics of like, okay, what are like the facts of the things? Like, okay, sometimes it's as simple as like, okay, we know the voice is described as a certain way we know the body is described as a certain way and and i will say that like my the way i create characters or the way they come to me like for mm -hmm. theater film and narration I, I don't think is that different right you're mining mm -hmm. you're mining the text for the same clues the same facts you know how they're described to be in their body how their voice is described um what are the facts of their life have do they have a specific accent are they from a specific place like culturally mm. and that's a thing that i think is really interesting too is like how our cultures define us and that mm. was something i learned so much about living in the uk was really seeing for the first time how culture affects who we are yeah our ideas of success ambition relationships and so mm -hmm. for me that's something i'm always trying to look for is like you you look for the the micro and then you look for the macro and you hope that they meet in the middle in yeah. a thoughtful place and and i'm also very visual so i'll pull like images of things sometimes even if it's just like a middle grade set in the pacific northwest three sisters they're on a treasure hunt and you're like, okay, I feel like I know this world. Right. But yeah. even still like pulling those images of like, what do the trees look like? What does the, what do the beaches look like? So for me, when I'm narrating, I'm seeing the movie in my head. And it's, mm. for me, it's like no different than being on stage because I would be doing the same thing. Cause if my character is looking out the window during the scene, you know, what is my character yeah. seeing out that window? I don't know. Like for me, there's no difference. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to do at the moment is there's tons of YouTube tours of cities. Like yes. Just a random dude, right? Just a, a random person with their camera on, like cruising through downtown Manchester, right? And it's for me, those are gold because I'm like, okay, there's this chase scene through downtown Manchester. What does that look like? Pulling yeah. that up, getting that image, like okay, I'm imagining what that's like and and um, 
for me, my imagination is just like a huge tool in my toolbox. Yeah. And I have a teacher who I absolutely adore, a clown and acting teacher. And his one of his things that we always work on in his class is like strengthening our imagination. How mm. do we strengthen and care for our imagination? By caring more for my imagination, the work gets more exciting. Yeah. Because it's I more could... fun. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Head again, and you know, it's obviously it's still work, right? We get yeah. tired. We work long days. You know, there are challenges, but like when the work inside the booth can be more fun, it's so much easier to take care of the logistics outside of the booth. I mean, this was something that I've I've been sort of working on myself for the past sort of few years because I kind of I think I needed to give myself permission to explore kind of my my Jess Nahikian said something that's really stuck with me and I've got a, actually a few messages from listeners about it and it was about the, um they were told that now forgive me off the top of my head I can't remember who told them but it was it was about how it like a part of this life is that you you're given permission to cultivate your taste as an artist that's like a big part of it and it kind of that rung bells for me when um they said that on the show because it was like you mentioned at the start of the show that you you had lots of friends but you never felt part of like a group until uh, you know you were you started acting and performing and such but i think and please correct me if i'm wrong but all those different groups that you would have mingled with at that time they will come out in characters if not so you know if they haven't done so far they will in the future like there'll be certain nuggets of of, of people that you've met who aren't in this world that will benefit your craft um is that is that does that ring truth any any truth to you yeah, absolutely. And especially curiosity is like a, a really big part of my my personal values. And it's something mm. that I struggle with, right? I, mm. I'm American. We were like in the midst of a culture war, you know, I, yeah. I have members of my family who have vastly different mm. ideological views that I find absolutely horrifying and upsetting. And it's easier to have curiosity about people who maybe aren't so close to you. I will say that, mm. right? But having curiosity about about all kinds of people is good for the world. It's good for your spirit. And it's yeah. good for artistry, right? It's like, yeah. and I think it's so funny. I think we can see this like so clearly in so many of like the romance tropes. It's like, we love a we, we love a bad boy. We love a bad girl, right? Because there's yeah. like, there's maybe something in the real world we wouldn't maybe want to have to deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> but in our fictional world, we can engage with them with curiosity and, you know, be drawn to them and let ourselves be curious. And and it's, it's exciting, right? And that's yeah. how we... And that's what I think is powerful about story, right? Is like we can get beyond the boxes that we build for ourselves in the real world. Yeah. And and sometimes it's just I want to escape and go into this other box, which is really yeah. cool. And sometimes it's this I want to really be curious about what it's like to live in this other box. And then maybe yeah. like our box gets a little bigger. Maybe our box breaks wide open if it's really a powerful experience, which is like, yeah, I think that's why it's so important. As just stories like in general, you take like Romeo and Juliet, right? Two two people who should have never, you know, never even mingled, never mind fall in love, or whatever. Two people who could have never gotten on because of who they are, as you know, of a name. 
but then they find the truth and that of course that's nonsense and and you can do it and i think that's sort of i i think a lot of us need you know reminding at times that, that that that's what story's there for it's for broadening that horizon it's for teaching us the truths that we you know breaking down those barriers that we place there ourselves for whatever reason you know yeah absolutely mm. i couldn't agree more <laughs> now um i just wondered um how much are you recording at home in like you know home studio versus you know out in a studio you know in new york yeah um it's changed a lot for me in the last couple of months i was doing most of my recording at home probably like up until february mm. and then starting in february gosh i mean it's really only the end of you know first big couple of days of april but february and and march I really started going into studio more in New York. And mm. um, so I am thinking about what I've got coming up. I've got a week in studio in April and I've got a week and a half in studio in May. So it's like, you know, like three of the four weeks of the month. Yeah. And that's been so cool because I'm learning so much about just the difference right mm. like when you're in <laughs> i got so excited the difference <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know when you're in studio you've got so much more support um because you've got an engineer you've potentially got an engineer and a director depending mm. on the setup um and that's been so exciting for me because i get to learn more about what those individuals do and specialize mm. and and learn so much from them. I've had some incredible directors in the last couple of months who have taught me so much. Mm. And um, that's really exciting for me because, you know, I'm a theater kid. That's where like the, for me, that's where like the, it gets really exciting is like being in collaboration with people and also like the pressure of um, not having to listen so hard to yourself. When, yeah. I'm in studio, when I'm in studio, I turn the monitor way down. <laughs> I'm like, you you listen. If my feet go bump, you'll catch it. If there's something weird going on, you'll catch it. And then it just allows me to find that extra level of freedom. Yeah. Because when I'm working at home, I'm really listening. Mm. And that's hard for me. It's hard to rub, you know, pat my head, rub my tummy at the same time. Yeah. Stay in those two different lanes at the same yeah. time. Like artist and technical and technical yeah but yeah it's been really it's been really fun i feel like my process at home is getting better from what i'm learning in studio and mm. i feel really really spoiled to have those opportunities that's i wondered if i could ask and again this may this may be a really brief or obvious question so do feel free to ignore it completely um but i was wondering about studio etiquette um now there's many um especially here in the uk because there's less studios and if especially if you're not you know local to london and stuff the majority of the time you're going to be working in your home booth should it be you know of up to standard of course so a lot of we're finding a lot of new narrators and voice actors working in their home booths and such but then through that work getting invited down to work more in studios so for those um, people, for people who, who are looking for that journey, I just kind of wondered, again, vague question, as a performer, as an actor, how should one behave? What sort of things should we prepare for just to make sure that we're making the best impression once we get into that studio for the first couple of times, you know? I think it's such a thoughtful question, right? Because we are working in collaboration with each other. And like as much mm. as 
we feel like we're the star of the show. Like we know that we're not just the star, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But also at the same time, like you are there to work and it's okay to ask for certain things. So I think it's a really thoughtful question. And I have a lot of back channel conversations with other narrators about like, Hey, this thing happened. I'm not sure how to handle it. Can I, you know, can I Mm. send an email past your eyes? Can I get a second thought, you know, or, or, Hey, I'm dealing with this thing. Like, can I get an opinion? So first I would say, you know, when in doubt, talk to those who have more experience than you do and who are trusted. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for etiquette, remembering that you're there to work. So it's okay to ask for the things that you need to work. If it's, you know, if it's simple things like, hey, I'd really like to listen to the end of that chapter again since we took a break. Yeah, That's totally an okay thing to ask for. And, you know, or if you're feeling like really zonked and you're like, I'm, I know we just took another break, but I need another break. That's okay to ask for too. Hmm. But also I think it's always, a, it's like a balance of being a good human, right? So like if if the engineer or the director is saying, hey, are you ready for a break? And you're maybe not ready for a break. You can be like, I'm not quite ready, but how are you feeling? Yeah. You know, like it's a fine balance. I'm a very deferential person. I'm a recovering people pleaser. So I struggle with this too, you know, like being respectful of those around you, but also saying like, hey, I don't need a break right now. I'm actually like mm. really in the pocket and I know what's coming in these next three chapters and I don't mm. want a break right now, you know, or mm. a- asking for for me, it's like asking for a longer lunch break. <laughs> Sometimes some people are like half hour and I'm like, uh-uh, I need a little bit longer. I have to run out and get that salad still, you know? Yeah. I think, but also being open and and not being afraid to just go, okay. Like for my first experience in studio, he didn't really know what was going on. You know, mm-hmm. I was just feeling it out and I'm not sure that that was like a bad thing, you know, Mm. like I had a couple of things that I wanted to run by the director. That was fine. All good. They had no problem with that, you know, and then just being like, okay, what happens? You know, there, there are other people there who, who know, and hopefully they can guide you just by them doing their normal routine Mm. and you learn from that. And then also as you growing confidence you can ask hey is this something that is okay to ask for Mm. and hopefully and if you're asking a trusted person that's the thing too it's like you know know your audience know Mm. who you're talking to and say you know is this a normal thing that or is this cool that i ask for this um it's especially one that you mentioned that it made me uh smile the recovering people pleaser just because i feel i mean i i, I feel like i'm very much relating to that right it's like yeah. we well we could go on and on about it right it's, yeah yeah and, and i think that goes back to like know yourself like what we were talking yeah. about networking is like get to know yourself like are you for me i know that i'm usually like a little too deferential so like sometimes I have to challenge myself to be brave and say, I would like 15 extra minutes for lunch, please. Or, yeah. um, you know, hey, I really can't work. You know, if someone's like, yeah. oh, you know, can you schedule these days? And you're like, no, you don't have to give a reason. You're like, oh, these days are the days that I'm available. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's I think it is it's, it's a work in progress for many of us. Um, like for myself, just with um, with APAC just gone, I, I had to keep reminding myself because number one, no one wants to come across as a dick and be overconfident. Of course not. Um, but then there was also that part where it's like you do like because I was I was nervous about meeting so many amazing people and so many people are doing amazing things that I you know I'm so I admire so much and I wish to be you know at one point doing those projects as well those type of projects. But then you kind of have to sort of say to yourself also that, OK, I may not be at that level just yet, but I still deserve to be in the room. Like, I'm, you know, I'm still, you know, which I think can be it can take a little bit of work sometimes just sort of reminding yourself that you, you're a human being in this industry, too. You're allowed to be there just as well as everybody else. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I feel that. I feel that that resonates so much with me. Yeah, I think it's I think. Yeah, but we're all a work in progress. And I think that's what keeps life interesting. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think that's like the joy of life, right? Yeah. Finding the joy of being a work in progress. And like, obviously, it's yeah, it's challenging. You know, I have a coach that I say to, but I want to be healed by Friday. I want to be perfect by Friday. I think I need to do this weekend. But like, for me, my my journey as a human as as an artist, like Mm. trying to find the joy in the process. Yeah, you know, that's on all the levels. The yeah. joy of truth, the day-to-day, the joy in the admin, the yeah. joy of the, I'm doing this kind of work, but my dream is to do this kind of work, you know. Yeah, it's, I think that's funny when, when um, I, I talk a lot about being anxious to, uh, you know, to my trusted friends and colleagues and uh, occasionally professionals and talk about, you know, being anxious and stuff. And they say, well, it's something that you're going to be, you're going to be challenged with, like, you know, forever. It probably never go away completely. And you're like, oh, that doesn't really work for me. I need this. I need this done. Like, this up. We got to speed this up. Anxiety. <laughs> we're on a timeline here. <laughs> we, have, we have to keep union hours. Come along. Come along. <laughs> I feel that so deeply. I feel that so deeply. And then, at the same time, in a funny way, do you feel like the things that challenge you the most also give you like a little bit of a superpower sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. I think it's because part of my sort of coping strategy is it doesn't matter because I always worry, what if I say this and it goes really wrong? Or what if this happens, this happens, this happens? And then I have to sort of get myself in a mindset of, of just effort. It. it doesn't matter. You're just going to do it and it doesn't matter. And then I can kind of go a little bit numb sometimes and just force through it. And, and I think then that sort of makes me a little braver for things that I wouldn't have, I may not have done if I, you know, it's kind of. Totally. Yeah, that resonates. Yeah. That resonates. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, I feel like the things I struggle with sometimes also give me like these little Easter eggs of like, yeah. hey, you learned something really cool or you got a cool opportunity from. <laughs> yeah talking way too much <laughs> you know, like, oh, I, I totally got that book from that producer because i absolutely talked their ear off that one yeah. time yeah. yeah i went to like a, a, a confidence course like many years ago with the school of life which is like a youtube um thing and there were a proper organization that did youtube videos and i went to one of those and they and they gave me like, this advice at the start and they said like you're probably all really nervous about being here go figure it's a confidence course right you're probably all really nervous and so what you should do next time like you go like next time you're in this situation, go to somebody and just be totally honest about how you're feeling. Like, don't try and act like you know what you're doing. Just go and tell them exactly all of your fears. And I went to another event and did that exact thing. Went up to somebody who was sort of doing that kind of awkward, oh, hi, how are you? Kind of, you know, what's your name? What do you do? Kind of thing. And I just stopped myself and said, like, I'm so nervous to be here. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where anything is. And that person turned around to me and was like, oh my God, me too. And then we ended up being mates for ages. And it just, you know, it was just... 
like it's those magical things yeah i love i'm a big fan of those kind of life classes and life coaches like i i did a an amazing program course called stacia style school which is all about finding your inside your inside out congruency so dressing and using style as a tool to connect to who you are on the inside and i'm such a fan of those those magical teachers who help us translate the experience we have inside our bodies towards like living a better not a better living a more wholehearted like congruent life yeah and it's it's so magical it's so magical. That's yeah. such a cool that's such a cool experience you had. And it gave you a superpower. I think so. I think yeah, it was just it was really um it, yeah, it's sort of I, I don't want to sound over dramatic and stuff, but it generally did change um a lot of how I look at the world, you know. Um, that doesn't sound dramatic at all to me. Like uh, state <laughs> style school absolutely changed my life. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> What's um we're not acting on screen, on stage, or in the booth, of course. What can we often find you up to? Oh my gosh. I mean, my cat is my best friend. <laughs> we were just snuggling <laughs> earlier. Um, I I mean, for me, I love, I love like the simple mundane things. Like I love hanging out at home with my partner and my cat and mm. just like creating my own home as an adult has been really joyful for me and, you know, slowly accumulating that that cool chair from craigslist or that you know the couch from the family that i used to nanny for that they gave me and so i I love i love like creating little spaces and nooks in our house and and being at home um i'm a huge tv nerd nice i love i love the form of television i love like Mm. long form storytelling obviously hello audiobook (laughs) (laughs) Um, i i so i love i love tv and then yeah what else am i super into i mean style i love to thrift um nice and i love clothes and expressing myself through clothes and i really want to learn how to sew hopefully by the next time i see you I will learn to sew. Yeah. yeah. And I love to, you know, I'm really into like, I like to make my own earrings when I have time and, um, nice. you know, just like delightful, weird little crafty things. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing is all very creative things. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I grew up in a really creative house and I, I didn't have a a television which is probably why i love television now yeah we didn't have a television and um you know growing up my parents were always in their respective studios like my mom is a large-scale uh installation ceramic artist and my dad is a woodworker and so you know that was like everybody we would like that was what we would do and we had free time yeah. go in and be creative and yeah um, I'm super grateful for having that experience as a kid because it's it's like it's how I prefer to walk through the world is like yeah just getting into a little mischief and <laughs> um you know learning new things even when you're maybe not good at them that's oh, like yeah. a cool thing of like learning new hobbies is like learning how to suck at things and be like oh yeah 
I suck. This is, but I'm having fun. Yeah, learning, like teaching yourself that it's okay to not be good at anything, like good at something. It's not not good at anything. I'm sure, <laughs> but good at something. You know, that's been a a, a huge a huge learning thing for me. Mm. Not being good, learning how to take joy in that, and yeah. Yeah, I think it's easy as well to sort of, um, if I mean, because of you know, if you're trying to push for like a a career and you're trying to forge that life for yourself, then you kind of can develop this mindset of like I have to be amazing at everything, and then being able to say, well, I want nothing other than I want nothing other than just joy from this one task. It doesn't matter if it's terrible. It doesn't matter if I'm the worst person at it who's ever existed. I, I'm gonna just enjoy this for what it is, and I think you get a lot. Of- and it totally goes back to that Ira Glass clo- quote, excuse me, that Ira Glass quote that Jess Nahikian shared in their episode was that you, when you start making stuff, whether it's hobby or career, you suck. Yeah. You just <laughs> do, right? You've never done it before. You don't have the muscles, like the muscle yeah. recall. And so you have to learn what you like and you have to learn how to suck. And as like, you learn to suck less and you learn what you like more you you know you meet in the middle and you make a a cool a cool happy place to hang out hopefully yeah 100 percent i've been asking um this next question on the last few shows the last six or seven episodes um and to, to to different to different kind of um results some people that really don't like it um some people love it so what's a question that you wished you were asked more i'm thinking about it through the lens of being younger mm. being a younger artist person artist person right mm. where do you feel free and i was and i think i was asked you know i want to give credit where credit is due i've had some absolutely incredible mentors and teachers and i think that they did ask me this in their own way yeah i think you can't ask a young person this enough right Mm. because that's like the compass right it's like we're all Mm. trying and everybody has a different word for it right it's like we all feel the same things but we all have different words yeah but for me it's like i I wish that someone had asked me more and more, where do you feel free? Because I think that would have just reminded me to keep going and find, try and find that true North. Yeah. And, and I, I hope that I keep asking myself that more now too. That is such a good one. That is such a good one. Do you mind if I steal that as my own answer for this? Steal it. Oh my gosh. I mean, right? This is what I'm saying. We all feel the same thing, but yeah. we have different words for it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. I love that. I really do. I'm a little bit like, wow, I really like, I, I think I'm going to, after this, I'm going to write it on a piece of paper. I'm going to yeah. write it in my booth. That is, a, that is a tattoo in the making, is that one? Oh God, yeah. Because as you're right, it just it just it keeps realigning, and it can the answer can change over time. You know, it's not going to change, of course. Yeah, it's just yeah, it just always sets you in the right. As you say, the compass it just always keeps you north, and it, you know, as because it, it can change, and you as you grow, it could be different things. But it's always like getting you back to that. What makes me me? You know, where do I need to be in this world to make me feel, as you say, free? Yeah, um, and it's oh, such a privilege, right? It's such a privilege to feel free, but. I do believe that if we do not cultivate within ourselves Mm -hmm. our own freedom, 
it's mm. really, really, really hard to help other people. Oh, absolutely. Fight, fight for freedom, equality, justice, yeah. it, congruency, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, it's really hard to be a part of the collective healing if you're not in your own process of collective healing. That does not oh, mean yeah. you have to be healed, right? Like, no, we're laughing yeah. about, like, let's be healed by Friday, but like, yeah. it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. So we just have to be, we have to be in our own process so we can engage with the collective. And it's really hard. It's yeah. But I think it opens up to, to asking yourself those questions. Cause I think like once, because once you've sort of asked yourself a question of, okay, is this a problem for me? Do I have to fix something? I think that's already such a huge step in the right direction. Um, and I think it, I think that question of asking yourself that, or if, you know, if you ask other people um, that same thing, it allows you to open up that narrative for yourself um, and may bring your attention to things that you, you, you didn't realize were making you unhappy, didn't realize making you, you know, locked into somewhere. Um, and as yourself, if, if you're not in, if you're not at least heading towards a good space, you, you can't really create a good space for those around you. And that's what we're all trying to do in the long run, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm, it's interesting, like, the, as I get older, I feel like, haha, as I get older, I'm still so young. But, you know, like, as I, as I mature, it's interesting because I feel like my values as a human and my values in, mm. as an artist become more and more intertwined. And that's really mm. exciting because I'm like, you know, it's easier to get uh, oriented back to your North Star. Yeah. It's... I mean, it's exciting, but it's daunting, right? Yeah, so yeah. Like you're constantly at the bottom of your personal mountain. Mm. And even though you've climbed and you've climbed, you still feel like you're at the bottom of it. I think that's one of the things that you never, you sort of, you often don't realize like how far you've come in your own journey. Because as you say, you still only feel like such at the beginning. And then something will come along, like, if, you know, if a situation will arise and you may react in a better way. And then you think, oh, I, that would have destroyed me like two years ago. Oh, a hundred percent. So I would love to, um, I've just noticed how long we've been going. This has got, felt like five minutes for me. I've loved this conversation. I, know, I don't even know what time it is. I have nowhere to be, so don't. <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, where, where's the best pe Where's the best place for people to, to keep up with you, keep up with your movements? Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram at Mia Hutchinson Shaw. Um, I'm not really on any other places consistently. And yeah. I think that's where I like to hang out. I sometimes hang out on TikTok, but I'm still figuring it out. So, yeah. and I, yeah, and I, um, I love to, I love Instagram because I have so many different communities I'm a part of that meet there. And so it's mm. kind of fun. I, it's like my water cooler, right? Especially since, since 2020, you know, mm. so much water coolering used to happen in the theater world, like in the audition hallways. And now yeah. that doesn't happen anymore, which is really bittersweet. Yeah. But now it's like all on Instagram. <laughs> my, <laughs> my my DMs are a, a wild place. <laughs> so please come join them. I can't wait to get to know you. <laughs> so I'd love to, as we, as we come to an end, um, of the show i would just like to just simply ask you if you have any upcoming projects anything upcoming in the diary that you're excited about that, that we can look forward to and celebrate yeah i mean i 
I have an embarrassment of riches at the moment. I am the luckiest <laughs> gal. Um, I've got uh, a a YA title with Penguin coming up called Threads That Bind. Nice. A YA fantasy um, based in some Greek mythology, and I, I'm just getting started properly prepping on it this week. And oh my gosh, it's going to be... It's a really, really remarkable book. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I've got a, a really cool project with Blackstone coming up. Um, I'm narrating a biography about Kate Bush. The nice. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really excited for that. It's going to be a marathon. It's going to be the <laughs> longest studio session I've done. It's like going to be like eight days in the studio. Wow. It's a really long book, but I'm yeah. so excited to like, I respect her so much and I'm so excited to like really get into the nitty gritty. Yeah and learn about her right it's like so cool to learn about other people's artistic processes especially yeah. who operate on such a huge global stage mm. um so i yeah i've got i've got and some like really fun spicy romance titles under my pseudonym you know it's i've got an embarrassment of riches it's going to be a really really fun spring i'm super excited super grateful for the people who trust me with their stories yeah, that sounds fantastic. So much fun uh, to come. And yeah, and, and iPhone can't wait to, to listen when they come out. And uh, yeah, best of like, eight days. That's going to be such a good project. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Be wild. I feel like I have to like start like my cardio now. Yeah. <laughs> like, all my cardio, all my meal planning, put my out of office on my email. Yeah. Good luck. You will not be able to reach me. It's going to be so great, though. Um, yeah, well, that sounds fantastic. Um, well, that just brings us uh, to a close uh, for this episode of the Audiobook Club. All links to Mia's social media and website will, of course, be linked in the show notes. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. And, of course, another huge, huge, huge thank you to you, Mia, for joining us. I've This has been so much fun. So fun. Thank you so much for having me. Like I told you before we started rolling, I'm I'm flattered and chuffed. So, <laughs> thank you so much. Well, I'm so chuffed to have you. Thanks once again. Thank you. Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook? Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman? Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience, and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, 
If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.